Hi. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Synchronicity Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Megan. And we are super excited. We're kind of revamped the podcast. So if you're an OG, thanks for sticking in there. If you're new, welcome to the wild ride. It's fun though. It is. It's great. We pretty much talk about all sorts of things from wounds to what is currently happening in the world. We talk about a lot of things. It's kind of a random podcast made by two people that have heavy Gemini in their charts. So just buckle up and um, enjoy the ride. If you hate it, see you later. If you love it, like, subscribe, stay tuned because we've got a lot coming at you. Absolutely. analysis. So we are re-scripting the ego death. Who here has heard about ego deaths and psychedelics? Right, 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 right. Um, who's actually experienced one? Okay. Have you actually experienced an ego death or has it been a re-scripting? This is a question I'm going to ask you at the end. So you guys stay for the whole thing. Okay. This one working? Can you hear me on this one? Yay! Hi! <laughs> all right, let's get started. So, all right, so who here has heard of Sigmund Freud? Yeah, everyone, most of us. Modern day psychology is based off him. And how about Carl Jung? Okay, so he believed in mass consciousness and he proved that. Now, who here has heard of Eric C. Byrne? Oh, we got one, two. Yes. Oh, two. Oh, All mom. right. That's our mom. She doesn't count. <laughs> she doesn't count. Oh, that's oh, amazing. Love that. Love that. Love that. All right. So, ego states is actually transactional analysis, and Eric Byrne came up with this. Sigmund Freud had the e, the ego, the super ego, and the id. And actually, what Eric Byrne did was take this very complex set of identities and turn it into parent, adult, child to simplify it because he thought that everybody should have access to this information. And he and Carl Jung were actually Sigmund Freud's prodigies, but they were both fired by Sigmund Freud because they believed that people should have access to information. Sigmund Freud was actually an elitist and a narcissistic kind of POS, in my opinion, when I've studied him. <laughs> Um, but it's actually what modern-day psychotherapy and theory is based off of is Sigmund Freud. In my opinion, we would not actually be in a mental health crisis that we are today if modern-day psychology would have been based off of Jung and Eric Byrne. So as we get into this, everybody knows this, um, DMN is where the ego actually lives. And the more trauma we have, the more ego we have. Okay, so that's why it's so hard to actually know who you are. But when we talk about parent, adult, child, it's actually the true self is the adult. That's what we're searching for. So the ego death is actually becoming aware of the child parent states, which is what we're going to talk about. 
All right, so ego makes us who we are, right? So ego is what gets us out of bed in the morning, what makes us brush our teeth, what makes us actually get dressed and do things for other people. It's ego-driven. And of course, without ego, we wouldn't exist, right? We have to have ego. So being aware of our egos gives us the choice to bring us back to true self of adults. Uh, parenting is done by the age of eight, for uh, girls and 11 for boys. So by the time we are the age of three, we are scripted into authority, into parent state and into society. So who here is kind of like blown away by the fact that like we're scripted by three? Did any, does that like make yeah, you amazed? Yeah. Because I didn't realize that that's so young. We're so young when we get actually programmed into our programming. So this is the parent adult child. So who here had a parent that said, do it because I say so? You were the 95% of the population that had a dictator parent, which means you are an adapted child that is either a doormat or a bully. You are either in one scripting or the other. You have no idea how to negotiate. When you get into an authoritative, if somebody at work goes, do this or you really effed up you're like oh you shrink automatically if you are a doormat you shrink automatically you go into a trauma response in your mind and that person becomes your parent and you cannot respond correctly because you are no longer in your adult state and guess what you become that parent because you also have the copy of your parent. So when you are in child or parent state, you are actually in a trauma response. We copy our parents, and then the response to them is actually your child ego state. So when we talk about ego death, we're talking about having an awareness of the then and there. The adult is here and now. So you are responding when you're in an adult state. You are, or you're acting when you're in an adult state. You're reacting when you're in a parent or child state or ego state. So what psychedelics actually do is not cause an ego death. You actually become aware of the state that you're in and it gives you choice. But you do not want to kill the parent or the child, because that is where your empathy comes from. If you kill that state or have any kind of what's called an ego death, you actually go into a state of psychosis. This is how you end up in a psych ward, because the left and the right lobe are not communicating correctly. So when you think about parent-child, you're talking about the right lobe. And when you're thinking about the adult, it's the left lobe. You have to learn to make them communicate because you don't want a person that's just like a robot. I am here, I am now, right? You want to be able to do both. Be empathetic and also at the same time, be aware of your surroundings and make a decision or take action, not react to your environment, which is also high beta. So question for you, Meg, what happens directly in the DMN with parent, adult, child when someone undergoes 
a psychedelic experience, maybe 200 grams of microdosing or higher, or it is in ayahuasca, iboga, anything like that where they're actually seeing these states, what is actually happening in the brain? Well, you're, you're becoming aware. It's all just an awareness state of mind. It's like, oh, I have choice. I can choose. See, here's the thing that's happening in society right now. We are realizing we have choice. There has been no generation that has ever been able to step out of societal and cultural programming and say, I want to do differently. This is the biggest awakening that the world has ever seen and on a scale that they cannot stop. So when you have psychedelics, and this is why psychonauts have been the most aware I mean, go back to shamans. You're talking about thousands and thousands of years that people have been awakened. And it's because they realize they have choice in their life. You are the captain of your ship, the commander of your soul. And this is what transactional analysis teaches you. You can become an adult. You can step out of your parent. You thank them for what they make you, made you because your mess is your making. Purpose is directly connected to who you are and where you came from. Everybody wants to know purpose? Look at your beginning. It will change your life when you can rescript that. Trauma is how you help other people. You do not want to hate your trauma, it's your strength. That's also why you don't want to have an ego death. You want an ego rescripting. Use it, it's your power. All right, so we're talking about parent-adult-child, but now we're going to talk about the drama triangle. So the drama triangle is the parent-adult-child. This was a concept created by Dr. Stephen Katman. It's called the drama triangle. And what he did was he took parent-adult-child from Eric Byrne and he broke it down into societal concepts. Where are you in society? And if you look at this, you can look and see that there's the rescuer, the persecutor, and the victim. For me, I can't do it. You're a victim. That's society framing. That's what someone told you. That is inherited. Then we have persecutor, criticize, put down, sarcasm, bully. You are blaming others for your problems. And then we have rescuer, feels that they are the best. They always know better. They don't have, they, they can't say no. They have a difficulty of saying no. And their identity is often the reward. And so when we look at this, you can see where the parent-adult-child comes in. What state are you in? Are you a parent or a child? Because guess what? When you're an adult, it doesn't exist in the drama triangle. Because when you're an adult, you're rationally thinking in the here and now. And so therefore, you can invite another adult to a conversation. Because parent and child are at bay and they're at peace with the adult state of mind. So I talked a little bit about this because I go on rants. So um, if nobody has noticed. So what we want to do is, like I said, you want to take action. So what happens when you have an emotion or a feeling, you can't do anything about a feeling, right? You can either drug it, right, commit suicide, or you murder that person. That's all you can do about a feeling. So you have to accept your feelings. You cannot fight them. The suppression of a feeling is why we have the issues that we have in society today. Feelings are wonderful, but we have to make space for them because when we try to fight them, 
These three things are what we do. And this is why the pharmaceutical companies have the power that they have. Because, you know, thank goodness, most people turn to drugs, right? So psychedelics, it's not a good thing. I don't know any of that. But um, psychedelics give you the ability to say, OK, I'm having a feeling. You go up to your brain. And you say, what do I want to do about this? And then you act. Emotional people that suppress their feelings have a feeling, go straight into a trauma response, which is a reaction, and then think later. This is where guilt and shame comes in. So when you have people that intimidate with fear, that's a game. When you have a person that tries to seduce you with shame or guilt, that's a game. That's an emotional person. Like I go back to what I said earlier. When you have a parent that teaches you how to negotiate, they teach you there's no such thing as a free lunch. They teach you at age 8 for women and 11 for men, they teach you how to negotiate. This is the price and prize of your actions. What are you going to do? This is what I think you should do. Let's negotiate. Because that's the difference between a person that walks into their boss's office and goes, I need a raise, this is what I do. And names off all the things that they do. They do not shrink. There is the other person that walks into their boss's office and goes, well, Sally got a raise, why didn't I? You cannot compare yourself to other people. You have to stand in your own strength, and that's what our society doesn't teach you to do. It doesn't raise adults. It raises people in trauma responses, and that's what Sigmund Freud did. All right, so how do we see the ego? We see the ego through hypnosis, through dreams, in psychosis, um, when the conscious and unconscious mind are divided. So when the left and right lobes, like Megan mentioned earlier, are at war, you're actually in psychosis. Most adults in society right now are actually in psychosis because both lobes of their brain are not in sync. They're not talking to each other, they're at war. And I know that sounds really crazy and that word psychosis has really been poorly portrayed in the world, but it is a fact. And with psychedelics. So that's why, obviously, why we're all here is to talk about the power of psychedelics and what they have to offer us, not only on the level of being able to expand consciousness, but to be able to create peace within ourselves, peace within the right and left sides of the brain. All right, so comfort zone. When we're in our parent-child state, we're in what's called a comfort zone. And most of us have a comfort zone. Actually, I would argue everybody does. And this is where we avoid things. So when we're in evasiveness or in projection, we're in the two most dangerous psychological games that you possibly can be. And so our comfort zone is where we avoid pain. But it's not even enough to avoid pain. We demand pleasure. This is where addiction comes into our society. It's the avoidance of pain. Now, there are three non-negotiables in this life. Pain is one of them. Constant work is another. And uncertainty is the third. You cannot negotiate these with being human. I'm sorry, I even try to argue all the time with my idea of God, and it doesn't work. So um, we have to learn how to deal with pain. So the mantra of pain is pain sets me free. Because if you can transmute pain, you can do anything. And that's the difference between the 5% of people that were taught how to negotiate 
and the 95% that avoid pain, stay in their comfort zone, wake up at 90 and say, what the hell happened to my life? That's I don't want that to be anybody. That is my mission. I do not want anybody to wake up at 90 and say, what happened to my life? Everybody deserves to live a life of their dreams, and that is facing pain. There is no negotiating that, and that is in the adult self. That is where you find purpose in taking action and getting out of your comfort zone and going through the pain because anything is possible on the other side of pain. If we do not avoid pain, there is no such thing as addiction because addiction is running from pain and demanding pleasure. But you will find more pleasure in your life from self-discipline and facing your pain than you ever did collapsing into pleasure. Um, okay. So who here has been programmed to take a pill? Who's taken SSRIs, NRIs? Yeah. So they pretty much told us that the ego doesn't exist. Like, just no more, right? Like, shut it down. Don't feel anything. I don't want to deal with it. And, like, keep going on with life. And so that's when you wake up at 90 and you're like, well, what the heck? What's happening, right? So death is not the goal, right? We don't want to die. We want to feel. Who here has been in a psychedelic experience where they have an experience of death? Who's had a rebirth or a death in a psychedelic experience? Really got re-in touch with your ego state. That was like your inner child, right? Saying, oh, hi, I'm here. Like, nurture me. Pay attention to me. And then we come back to society, and what do we do with it? Most of us just ignore it, right? We forget about it. We keep going on with our lives. But we, death, is, death is a part of it. And it's the awareness and the integration of oneself. We forget a piece of it. And so true self, when we plug in, it's our truest gift. When we're in those psychedelic experiences and we bring them back, we get to see what true self actually is because you integrate that piece that you tried to forget. But what's happening is, is that it's actually stepping in. And where parent and child ego state is, it's that comfort zone of forgetting it. Right? And we forget that we are here and now and we've got to bring those pieces of that psychedelic experience back in. And this is one of our favorite quotes, Mary Oliver. Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. Understand that your child parent is your heart. When we create coherence between the heart and the brain, the heart knows, the mind thinks. Your heart cannot play tricks on you. When you tap into that frequency, which is what psychedelics do, they reintroduce people to their heart, or the right side of their brain, the parent-child. When you have empathy and love for that piece of you, and you integrate it into your left lobe, the adult you want to be, you're introduced to choice. And that's what we need to bring back to this world, is that people realize that they have choice. So with that being said, does anybody have any questions about what we just talked about? So uh, at first, you asked the room. Oh, uh, yes. At first, you asked the room, has anybody seen you again? I'm not sure what happened. Okay. How would one know what's going on? So, an ego death is like when you go in, and some people actually die. You actually, I mean, like, never fully die, but 
you'll, you'll, I mean, like I've heard of psychedelics experience where people are actually in hell, you know, and it, again, I think that people actually attach to an ego that thinking like I've had this experience where, uh, and I've never heard of anybody having something um, like themselves show up as an ego or something, but it's, it's, it's like they're taught, right? Because it's all about framing. How are you framed? How are you programmed? You're programmed to think you have an ego death when actually everything that happens, you go into a psychedelic experience, the only thing that you see is what you bring with you. So I think that it's become a common thing to say ego death, ego death, ego death. And it's like, oh yeah, I've had one of those because I saw Satan. No, like that is a manifestation of your darkness. We all have darkness and it's not about hating your darkness. Actually harnessing your darkness is finding your light. So again, I have done a lot of psychedelics at this point um, and I have faced down things I can't even describe to you, uh, but I would say that an ego reframing is when you come out of that state and you go, I had no idea that that just happened. That's an ego reframing, but an ego death, if you die in a psychedelic world, it's like you die in a dream. You won't come back. Or if you do come back, you'll be in a psych ward. So I would argue that I can't even tell you what that is because it's never happened. Well, and I also think it's something to look at it like if we're looking directly at what Eric Byrne was saying with a parent, adult, child, like, are you seeing your parents in a different perspective? Are you seeing yourself in your parents? What do you want to change? Because you're a mirror, right? They were, you're scripted to your parents, you're scripted to society. So that could technically be a way of framing it of death. Um, because you're, you're being able to analyze yourself in a different perspective because you're dropping the veil of working in the DMN where your egos live to be able to see it more clearly. Any other questions? Okay. Okay. No, that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I, I guess I have a question. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you see it like a downgrade? Never possible that it's so so low that it's almost like impossible. What was that experience? That's a great question. So I think, and you know, Megan probably has a different perspective of it because we're two different people. I think the more you work in this and the intentions that you work, and you know, as humans, we experience trauma every day, right? New layers and new layers. But when we go in and we work in certain realms of psychedelic with certain intentions, we drop that DMN. And so then it becomes like we're almost peeling an onion, one layer at a time, one layer at a time. And the deeper and the more you work in it with intention, I think that there is a point where you get to a certain, and you know, that might be lifetimes if you believe in that, of removing those pieces of that puzzle. 
Well, monks and psychopaths would have very low DMN responses. So I would argue most of us live on a spectrum, but in certain instances, like somebody that has psychopathy has completely disassociated from their parent adult or parent child. That's where you get things like, you know, serial killers. If you look at their childhood, it was so traumatic, they can't even associate with it. So the DMN, it would depend on the situation that you're in that's causing the response. I mean, even people that are completely stoic can get into situations where their DMN is going to light up because it's high beta, it's fight or flight. And the ego, the, the parent child is actually survival. We didn't have it. We'd be like, well, I don't care about a group of people. I don't care like survival. I don't have group mentality. That actually lives in the child's parent. So the DMN is activated depending on what social situations you're in. Our thing is, is that I don't want anyone to call it a death. I want them to call it a reframing because it's that awareness of the DMN and the state that you're in that gives you choice, but it also allows you to empathetically connect to someone. I see you. I know where you've been. There's hope. Come to this side of it. Understand that you have choice. You don't just have to respond to your environment however you were programmed to as a child. So, but that DMN lights up depending on the state, who you're around, all of those things. And I, I, I'm not aware of a study on this, but um, I, I wouldn't imagine that ever goes away until, unless you become like a monk. Yeah, that takes. Say. It'll be very interesting to study like monks in India where they're so stoic and so detached from the material world, what their DMN actually looks like on yeah. brain scans. Well, they can control their body temperature, so it's got to be just like. Yeah, fascinating. Goals. Yes? And they talk about the No, you don't. I mean, that's that's what I would call love state. When you enter the state of the mass consciousness, I've only ever hit this one one time in a psychedelic experience, but you realize we're all one. Um, but I have had experiences even on microdosing, where it's like, wow, the world is so beautiful, and how much time do we ever spend just looking at how amazing it is that we're here? So you don't have to hit the ultimate state to feel this. That's what's so amazing about psychedelics, right? It's like a microdose can change your life, and we've seen it. It's like you don't have to go blow your mind in ayahuasca. You don't have to go like go take ibogaine or anything like that. Actually, I've had experiences even just being with clients that are microdosing, and I'm not on a microdose, and just to see how much they changed is like, oh my gosh, it's all for something. All the suffering, all the struggle, everything has a purpose. So I would say even just being around, and Matt Zeman talked about this in his book, you don't even have to be dosing and have your life changed by somebody that's expanded their consciousness and raised their vibration because we are a mass consciousness. It doesn't matter if you're evolving and I'm not. You taking on your life and your soul's purpose will change me whether I like it or not. 
And that's the beautiful thing. As we all step in and we do the work, we don't have to force anybody else to do it. Well, and even Dr. Jonas Benza is, he talks heavily um, in his books about the mystical experience and there's no even talk of psychedelics. Yeah. It's being in the con connection with music and meditation. You can get in deep, deep, deep states of the subconscious mind without even using anything to assist you to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, and ideally that's the goal. That's one big part of our program is we teach our clients that psychedelics aren't the goal. Meditation is the goal. You should be able to get to that state of realization, dropping into the subconscious. Now it takes practice and discipline, but it is possible without psychedelics to have a mystical experience. That's okay. Yes. So I I just want to clarify the question. You want to you want to explain intention around parent, adult, child, and integration of using yeah. microdosing, correct? So, so how it helps you identify your behaviors. Okay. So that you oh. want to focus then on Like looking at your triggers and looking right. at the things. Instead of like saying, oh, yes. you know, yeah, I just want to take this. Right. Right. And right. that's how it can really help you, like, narrow down and work with the, your neuro, neuroplasticity. So I would suggest asking, who am I really? <laughs> Great question. Because uh, when we become the adult, Right, and I would actually argue that parenting is not so much about making you know kids into the society, but it's actually like being a linebacker and just trying to protect them from everything so they grow up as pure as they are born. Um, so when you get clear on that, right, I would make intentions of like, who are my parents and what did I copy from them, so that I may be aware of that copy. And then if you want to know more about your inner child, because the inner child is actually executive state. My inner child work is super, super important because that's the default state that you go into. Um, so it's, may I be aware and love the child that I am? And may I be aware of that child's wants, needs, and desires where I know that my parents did the best they could with the tools that they had, but my adult wants to do better. May I associate my adult as my parent and not my actual parents. So those are kind of long, but um, just having the intention of, I wanna be aware of the copy that I am of my parents and I wanna be aware of my inner child and using those as intentions so that the ego state may be um, more apparent to you would be my suggestion. Or if you see something in your parents that you absolutely hate or that triggers you, guess what? There's work to be done there. Because when you don't react or have a trigger, then you've actually healed it. So 
you know, finding your triggers, writing them down and writing intentions around them so that you may see the ego state they come from and be aware of that, so that you may heal it would be one way of doing that. Well, and I think that's a great segue into pain because if you avoid doing that work, you're avoiding pain in life. And when we were talking about it, like, right, pain is a part of life and going into that and processing that because your parents did do the best they could with what they had. Question in the back? Absolutely. Transcending the human is key. That's the thing. And everybody is different with every molecule. Some people can do it in meditation. Some people have to sit in multiple, multiple nights of ayahuasca. Some people spend hours and hours journaling. It's everybody has their own molecule that aligns with them and gets them to that moment of enlightenment or um, awareness. And I've actually never tried ketamine, so I can't speak to that, but thank you. Sticking with my second one, is there a point where psychedelics go into possession, reaction, psychedelic fear? Do you have to go through a fundamental inquiry? And can you come and physically back out without that pain? Or would you recommend that? Of course, I mean, anything's possible. You said you I mean, I was in here yesterday listening to a panel and um, one of the speakers, I, I forget her name, but she was speaking on Iboga and Ibogaine and she came out um, after doing Ibogaine and didn't have sugar addiction anymore and had um, actually cured her diabetes. So you can physically alter your body. You can do anything. The thing is, is that have anybody ever watched the movie Lucy? <sighs> I don't think that's far off. That's what's scary. You are capable of whatever you set your mind to. If you want to go into something and you want to come out without pain and you want complete awareness, I would say careful what you ask for, but it's possible. I have seen and experienced things that I didn't even know existed. Um, and I am a better person for it. And the thing is, is like everything's programmed. It's all a program. Our brain is like a computer. You've been programmed into what you do, what you have to do, you know, pain, all of these things. So I would say if you want to go in and rewrite your program, you want to set that intention and you want to ask the universe, God, whatever, you know, whoever your higher power is to grant that to you. If you have an open Art and an open mind in order to do that, sky's the limit. I mean, not even the limit. Outer space, I don't know, people that go to different planets. So it's, I would say absolutely that's possible. And I, I don't even think you have to use psychedelics. I've used meditation to do things that are far beyond even what a psych, like psychedelics have done. I mean, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work is crazy. I went to one of his retreats and whole, what he's doing with healings 
is out of this world. And I was on no psychedelics. I was completely sober. And what I experienced, the energy I experienced in that room, I cannot even put to words. You want to feel oneness? Go to one of those. Uh, it's, it's insane. <laughs> Um, but I think that we're just on the brink of even understanding what a human being is capable of. And I think psychedelics are a key to that. And that's why I brought up the movie Lucy, because like I said, I don't think that's that far off. It's, a, that's, it's when we use 1% of our brains. On psychedelics, I'm curious how, how, what they're going to find as they start to study the brain more and more of what we're actually capable of now. Are they actually going to release the information? That's another question. But any other questions? No? All right. So who? Oh, go ahead. Dr. Joe Dispenza? Yeah. Um, the doctor that we talked about, she was here yesterday. Um, it was the Ibogaine panel. Um, yes, she's she's. It has beautiful like silver hair. Yes, it was yeah. the blonde that was with her, the doctor that had gone to Botswana and worked with the tribes. The Lyme's disease. Yes. Yeah, she has helped her Lyme's disease, and Western medicine couldn't touch it. They didn't even know. Yes, Alex. Yes. Uh, you guys... Oh, one more question. One more Sorry. Well, actually, funny enough, when you meet people in the CIA, which I've met quite a few, um, <laughs> don't ask me how, I can't tell you. But anyway, <laughs> there is such thing as the trauma bridge. So people that grow up with a very little trauma in their lives um, actually cannot exist in society very well. There's actually a certain amount of trauma that actually helps you function and be high functioning and they actually look for this in CIA candidates. So when you have, I mean, everybody has trauma. I've met people that say, I have no trauma. Like, those are our favorite. Okay. <laughs> I remember when I used to think that. See you in a few years. Anyway, but um, <laughs> good, good trauma is something where, you know, it's, everybody has trauma. Even learning that there's no such thing as a free lunch, it's actually technically good trauma, but it's still traumatic for a child to learn like, wait, I don't just get free food. Oh, wait, I have to pay taxes. Oh, wait, I have to do all these things. Technically, that's traumatic, right? It's traumatic to learn that you have to share your toys. It's traumatic when your mom has another baby. There's all of these traumas. Those are actually good traumas because it's just learning to be in society and how to share and interact actually creates empathy and then we get into like extreme traumas where you have you know parents that beat their children um, emotionally avoidant parents you know stuff like that where there gets to be like extreme trauma and those are people that have deeper um, layers of ego does that answer your question how, how do you I wouldn't use them any differently. It, again, it, it's all about the person and what they're called to. Listen to yourself. I can tell you, like, take a 200 milligram dose of, you know, of hot ayahuasca, of um, psilocybin, you know, but it, it's what that person is called to. The thing is, is like, part of what we do as coaches is teach people 
to listen to themselves. Listen to you. Yeah, I have an opinion, but I'm a completely different person than you. What does it feel like in your nervous system? Because that will tell you a lot more than anybody else. So if you're called to something, um, if you need to like, oh, I need to set this attention, I need this, I need that. So it's all about coming back to self and realizing that you actually know what, who you are and what you need. That's what psychedelics teach us. And so I can't, you know. Well, I think you're also touching on like, when you have a certain amount of trauma, that goes back into the ego states of like emotional versus rational. Where is this individual at? Are they so far into their parent state that they're copying and they're so in the past? Or are they constantly in child state and emotionally reacting all the time? Because that's where you look at it and say, okay, are you in this parent-child non-coherence where there's no adult present? And so bringing awareness with psychedelics to say, are you being a rational human or are you so emotional and so reactive all the time that you're stuck in parent-child state? We've had people come to us that are so triggered by everything. They get on, the, get on a call with us and the first thing it's, F this and F that and I hate this and I hate that and we're like you're clearly emotional you have to learn and understand what rational is you are stuck in the past we need to bring you right here and right now and most of the time those individuals use psychedelics to step into that DMN to step into those ego states to understand that oh wow that did happen to me but I'm here and now and I have every right to change the patterning because so many people don't realize that they have choice and they think that their life is happening for them or to them, not for them. And so being able to show them and help them understand that with the use of even a small dose of psychedelics can completely change from one meeting to another. I've watched people literally tell me how much they hate everything. And the next meeting, they're like, oh my God, I was being so emotional. I had no idea how to be right here because they're so they're so trapped in their heads does that answer your question all right well thank you all for coming we have a panel right after this um with tracy alec and sean and the caesar. two of us and caesar so um if you want to join us and hear more of our rants <laughs> you didn't have enough <laughs>